text for this morning's sermon is from Romans 5, verses 9 through 11. Much more than, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Lord, as we look into this glorious verse 11, help us, I pray, to see what's here, to see through the words and through the phrases into the mind and beyond the mind of Paul, into the mind of God and even down through the mind of your heart. Oh God, I pray that we would exult in you because of this verse. We wouldn't just hear that we're supposed to, but that the verse would do it. The verse would bring it out of people who came in not exulting in you, would leave exulting in you. That's my heart's desire, Father. Through Jesus Christ, you do it. And through Jesus Christ, I pray it. Amen. So let's read verse 11 again. That's the only verse we're going to talk about this morning. And not only this... We'll come back to what that's referring to. But we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. I want to focus on the Christmas note that struck in the verse. And I see the Christmas note struck in the word received. Because if we received reconciliation, it must have been given to us. We receive, God gives. That's Christmas. At least that's what it is to me. Giving and receiving from God to man. And then as we represent that in families and friends, giving and receiving. So the Christmas note that's struck here is in this word, received. Reconciliation. So we have to get a little bit of a backdrop to make sure, if you weren't here last week, that you understand why this word reconciliation carries such a freight load of glory. And it's because we were at odds with God. We wouldn't have to be reconciled if things were okay between us and God. And what's wrong is that God's got wrath and we've got sin. He's got anger, we've got rebellion. And we saw it in verse 9, where it says, we're going to be saved from the wrath of God. So there's wrath. And we saw it in verse 10, where it says, while we were yet enemies. So we've got enmity. He's got wrath and we've got enmity. And this is awful. Because if that doesn't get fixed, we're cooked. Because there's nothing worse than having the wrath of God against you. It is an infinite wrath and a holy wrath and a just wrath. And he will never be called into question for this wrath. We will be damned by this wrath unless 
there's a reconciliation that we could receive. And that's what this verse is about. There's a reconciliation that has been worked for us, outside of us, without our having anything to do with it. Now that's in verse 10. You see that in verse 10? We were reconciled through his blood, through the blood of his son or through the death of his son. You see that in verse 10? We were reconciled through the death of his son. So, God, before you ever came on the scene sinning, worked in his son to reconcile you, if you're a Christian, to himself. So how did that happen? How did that take place? And the answer, summing up weeks and weeks in Romans, is this. When the Son of God was put forth by the Father to be the propitiation, the atonement, the covering for our sin to remove wrath from us, it did it by absorbing the wrath. It just, like a big black hole went and sucked all the wrath of God against his people into himself as he died. The suffering of Jesus is the sucking into himself of the wrath of God to avert it from us who are in Christ. Had he not done that, there's only one just way that our sins could have been dealt with, and that is condemnation and everlasting punishment. So, not wanting to have that happen to his people, God himself in great love puts his son forward and pours out the condemnation, the punishment, the wrath on the son. The son willingly in love receives it onto himself, suffers exquisitely as an infinitely holy being and thus absorbs all the wrath of God that would have been poured on God's people forever and thus makes a reconciliation. Or at least, let's say carefully, purchases a reconciliation and provides a solid, rock, historic, objective, unchanging foundation for our reconciliation with God. God befriended us in Jesus long before we ever sinned against him. Now that's all behind this word, received the reconciliation in verse 11. And I want you to see what a glorious phrase that is. Receive reconciliation. Receive reconciliation. The reconciliation was worked by somebody else. You don't do it. You don't make it happen. You don't work for it. You don't perform for it. You don't earn it. You don't suffer for it. Christ did all of those things, wrought it. When you say, well, what what do we do? Answer, receive reconciliation. It's a beautiful phrase. Just take that phrase away this morning. Receive reconciliation like a gift on Christmas morning. 
Now, if that's true, then it bumps up the ante of the meaning of this transaction called receive tremendously. Raises the stakes really high that everybody in this room get the meaning of receive reconciliation right. Because if we don't receive reconciliation, we don't have it, and the wrath of God is still upon us. Because we're not in Christ. So, let's look at the rest of the verse to see if we can unpack the meaning of this receiving reconciliation. What is it to receive reconciliation? And what I'm asking everybody to do now... Christian and non-Christian in this room is to assess what has happened in your heart that could be called, I received reconciliation with God. I received the gift of reconciliation. I want you to assess whether you've done that. Are you in the, the we of verse 11? We have received reconciliation. And to test whether you've done it, we need to examine what it is to receive it. And when you hear me describe, I hope biblically, what it is to receive it, then you will be able to say, yes, I've done it. Or, no, I haven't done it. And I need to do it. And I'm doing it. That's my prayer. So. Let's read the verse again. And not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Now let's take that little phrase, not only this. What is that referring back to? Not only this, but we exalt in God. Not only this, but we exalt in God. I think it refers back to the two other places where exaltation is referred to in these first 11 verses. Namely, verse 2 and 3. You have the exact same phrase in verse 3. Notice, it says in verse 3, right at the beginning. And not only this, but we exult in tribulations. You see that? It's parallel to not only this, but we exult in God in verse 11. And it says, not only this, but we exult in tribulation. So he's got a chain going here. Well, what does that one refer back to? What's the first element in this three-link chain? It's verse 2. At the end of verse 2, you see, we exalt. Same word, three times it's used. Exalt, exalt, exalt. We exalt, or glory maybe in your Bible, or rejoice. We exalt in the hope of the glory of God. So now we got three exaltations in this text. Verse 2, we exalt in the hope of the glory of God. Then verse 3 says, not only that... But we exalt in pain. That poem didn't come from nowhere. We exalt in pain. Tribulation, it's called. Why? Why would anybody do that? That's crazy. Because it works perseverance. And perseverance works proven character. And proven character works hope. And hope won't let you be ashamed. And so we exult 
in those things in our lives that test us and prove us and bring us through fire and show that we're real so that we know we're going to make it. We're Christians after all. And now he says, and not only this, but we exult in God. You see the difference between that and verse 2? Verse 2 said, we exult in the hope of the glory of God. What's the difference between that and we exult in God? The difference is time. This isn't hope here. This is not hope in verse 11. This is now. We have received the reconciliation. And we exult in God. Now I'm right on the brink of helping us understand what receive means. What does receive reconciliation mean? It means experiencing God as reconciled. Now. Experiencing God as reconciled to you, loving you, befriending you, caring for you, communing with you, fellowshipping with you, supporting you, sustaining you, helping you. It means receiving God reconciled. Receiving the gift of reconciliation means receiving God given reconciled. Now that's huge to say it that way because it makes me tremble for the church of Christ in America. Because there are tens of thousands of Christians who have never done that and think they're Christians. And are not. Let me use an illustration to help you see what I mean. There are at least two other ways to receive reconciliation than this way that I've just described. A way that means you exult in God. God is given you as reconciled and you receive God reconciled, exulting in a person now, knowing you, loving you, reconciled to you, befriending you, communing with you. That personal relation, exulting in him day in and day out. There's another way to receive this than that. And it is very common. And useless. Let me illustrate it. Suppose an, an all wise, all loving, omnipotent friend gives you a wrapped gift, beautiful wrapping, big bow, beautiful paper, and says to you, Here's a gift. And if you will receive this, I will be your God and forgive all your sins 
and give you eternal life and work everything together for your good. Will you receive it? And you say, will I ever? Who wouldn't want to have his sins forgiven? Who wouldn't want to not go to hell but have eternal life? Who wouldn't want God working every day to make everything happen for my good? You bet I will. And you take the gift and you run upstairs and you open the attic door and you go up and you put it on a shelf and you come down and you close the door and say, Oh, so good. I have received the gift and I'm forgiven. And I'm going to heaven. And he's working for me. And the months go by. Mainly you forget that it's up there. You never opened it. But you're trying to see the hand of God in your life. You're having a hard time. You're trying to feel forgiven and you're having a hard time. You're trying to feel hopeful that you're going to heaven and you're having a hard time. Is that what it means to receive the gift of reconciliation? You know what that's called? Magic. Magic. Not Christianity. I've got a little thing in my attic. Changes everything. Things go different. It's got a thing in my attic. That's magic. Put it in the attic of your brain. Never open it. Never look to see what's inside. You know what's inside? God is inside. Reconciled. And if you don't open it, you are reconciled. How many people go to church having heard the promise of eternal life, forgiveness of sins, a God on your side, if they would, and then make your list. Pray a prayer, sign a card, read their Bible, believe a doctrine. And never open the gift of reconciliation to receive a God reconciled. A God, our God, our living God, the evidence of which is exaltation in God. We exalt in God. Who's we? Answer, Christians, period. No second level spirituality going on here. This is Christianity. Christians are people who by definition exalt in God. Because they've opened the package and seen him as compellingly reconciled and glorious and beautiful. Short of that, we have not received reconciliation. That's one way to do it that is useless. Here's a second way to do it that is useless. Comes a little closer, captures a lot of more people's imagination. 
You get a gift this time and you open it and in it there's a box of fuses. Somebody gave you a box of fuses for Christmas. Now, that's a good gift. That's a very good gift because, frankly, I blew a fuse this week. When we plugged in the toaster and the bread maker and the microwave and everything else, just everything stopped. So I went downstairs thinking, oh, shoot, I'm going to have to drive to the store and get a fuse before we can eat supper. And there were fuses downstairs in the fuse box from a box that I had bought or somebody had given me. It's a wonderful thing to be given fuses. (laughs) Not to have to drive to the store in the cold, but to eat supper after just 45 seconds of fixing. It's great. I love fuses. In fact, I'm tempted to just kneel down and Thank God for fuses when they break. But I hadn't thought about a fuse for three years. Just when they break. That's all. That's a little closer and useless. Oh, I'll take God. I'll receive God. Sins forgiven, eternal life, escape hell, no condemnation. You bet. I'll take God. Screw him in, wherever you want. Bow down. Thank you, God, for my electricity. And then you go up and eat your warm food and drink your cold drinks and watch your electronic TV and listen to your electronic CD and enjoy what you really enjoy and forget about the fuse who makes it all possible. That's another brand of Christianity, which is no Christianity. If God's a fuse, you're lost. The conclusion is, the evidence for a genuine receiving of the gift of reconciliation is exalting in God. Do you see it? We exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received the reconciliation. We received that in which we exult. Thus the receiving and the exaltation are inseparable here in this verse. Oh, get this right. Let me see if I can do it another way here. I want you to get this. It is possible to take the word salvation and say, Oh, I'll take salvation because salvation means he saves me from sin and he saves me from wrath and he saves me from trouble and he might even save me from disease. I'll take salvation Because you don't have to have God. That's a way to construe salvation. Just the gifts, all the good things we want. No God. No thank you. Don't want to relate to God. Don't want to fellowship with God. Don't want to exult in God. Don't want to treasure God or cherish God or love God or delight in God or submit to God. But I want those gifts. Oh yes, I don't want to burn. And I want my life to work. 
But frankly, this relational thing is for the hawks. Or take the word justified. You can do the same thing with that one. Justified. You want to be justified? Have all your sins forgiven? Have the righteousness of Christ credited to your account? Yes, give me that gift. I'll take justification. But you know what? You can't do that with reconciliation. It won't work. The word won't even work. You can't say, I'll take reconciliation, but not take God. You see, it doesn't work. One of the reasons that the New Testament has so many words is to cut us off from our bent on hell. Over and over again, we try to find ways to get an escape from hell while heading straight into it. And the Bible so helpfully cuts us off again. No, that won't work. That won't work. That won't work. You're not real here. You're not real here. Get real. Get real. Know me. Know me. Know me. Not my gifts. We exalt in God. Not just forgiveness. Not just heaven. Not just reunion with mom. Not just getting over these awful bodies. No, no. You just read Habakkuk. Some of you reading through the Bible this year. Habakkuk is on docket for today. Go to Habakkuk and read chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. Though the fig tree blossom not, there be no grapes on the vines, there be no wheat in the field, there be no sheep in the fold, there be no cattle in the field, yet will I rejoice in God and joy in the God of my salvation. The steadfast love of the Lord is better than life. One of our young women brought a book up to me and wanted me to sign it after the first service. said, I've got an unbelieving friend down at Abbott racked with cancer and I want to take her this book. Would you just Put something in it. What would you put? Unbeliever about to die. Well, I'd, you get, I didn't have time to write the whole gospel. I'm trusting Monica. But I put Psalm 63, 3. The steadfast love of the Lord is better than life. So practically as we close, can I say anything helpful? Just practically how you do this. How you exult in God. And what I want to say, sticking very close to the text, rather than running off with my own ideas about how, how I do this, I want, to, I want to give Jesus the honor that he is due in verse 11. Do you see how much honor Jesus is due in verse 11, just like he was last week in verses 9 and 10? Two times it says, two times it says, through Jesus Christ our Lord. We exalt in God through Jesus Christ our Lord, and then 
through whom, that is through Jesus Christ our Lord again, we receive now the reconciliation. We have received the reconciliation. So if you ask, how? How do you receive it? And how do you exult in it? The first answer of the text is, through Jesus. Through Jesus. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, let's take the first one. The first one, received. This is conversion. We received reconciliation. That's conversion. If you haven't done that, if the gift has not been given to you yet, and you've unwrapped it and looked inside and seen God, do it now. It's not something you do with your hands. (laughs) And you know what you see when you open it? Jesus, through the Lord, we receive the reconciliation. One of the texts that I love that sheds so much light on this reality of conversion is 2 Corinthians 4.4 and 2 Corinthians 4.6, which says, Conversion, 4.4, is seeing the glory of Christ who is the image of God. And verse 6 says conversion is seeing the glory of God in the face of Christ. You can't get away from Jesus if you want God. If you don't worship Jesus you don't worship God. Last Sunday sermon. So what you see when you open the package of God reconciled is Christ crucified and risen with God's image standing forth in the character and work of Jesus Christ so that it is drawing you out in exaltation to him. So how do you do it? You open the package. Or very practically, you meditate on Jesus. If you don't feel exaltation welling up in your heart these days for your God, here's the prescription. It comes through Jesus. It comes through Jesus. So bring it up beyond conversion to where most of us in this room are. The ongoing daily battle to see him and exalt in him and count him our own. What do you do? How do you relate to Jesus Two things. One, you pray to Jesus that he would enable you to see, enable you to love, enable you to experience God and thus exalt in him. It is through Jesus that we exalt. You see that? We exalt through Jesus. Through Jesus we exalt. Not just through Jesus we received. Yes, but now through Jesus we exalt. Are you exalting right now? If you are exalting right now in the truth that I'm preaching over God, Jesus is in your life. Jesus is working this out. He's Lord of your life. He's stirring you up. He's calling forth affections for the Father from you. So that's the subconscious reality of through Jesus. Here's the conscious one. When you say, what can I consciously do? 
If that, it's what, if that has to happen subconsciously, that Jesus performs those transforming, awakening works in me so that I feel exaltation in God, what can I do with my mind if I want to take steps towards experiencing this? And the answer is, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Consider Jesus. Like the book of Hebrews, it's all over the place, right? Consider Jesus. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Because when you look to Jesus, what you see is God standing forth, reconciled to you. When you watch him be born at Christmas time and listen to the angels say, praise him, praise him, and watch the shepherds seek him, seek him, and watch the wise men give him, give him, and extol him, and worship him. And when you watch him grow up and become wise and stump wise men and speak like no other man has ever spoken. And when you watch him get old enough to go out in the wilderness and fight against the devil with the word of God, and you watch him heal people and love little children and embrace lepers and receive back prodigals and you watch him spread out his arms and die for sinners and you watch him rise triumphant from the dead and reign in heaven and plan to come and send his spirit. What are you seeing? God reconciled. If you want to exalt in God, study Jesus. Study Jesus. Know Jesus. Because Jesus will stand forth out of that book Living, because he is alive. And he has ordained, ask me not why, that it all come through a book. Let's pray. Oh Jesus, our King, through you we exult in God the Father. Oh, Jesus, through you, we once were enabled to receive the reconciliation that you wrought and bought at Calvary. So we are emboldened to say, Oh, Jesus, Christ living, come. Come into this room. By your Spirit, And open every unreconciled heart. And grant them a clamor to rip the paper off the gift. And no longer treat Christianity as magic, but as relationship with the living God. And so may we exult in you, Father. Thank you for Jesus at Christmas time. Thank you for Jesus and all that he has done for us according to these wonderful verses in Romans 5, 1 to 11. And now may the Lord give you a very merry Christmas, reconciled to God. Open the package. Exult in the Father through the Son. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.